for everyone being out this morning. It's good to be with you all, and uh, glad to have some visitors making up for some of the folks that we lost. We're still in the hole a little bit, but it's better than it could have been. We're glad that you're all here. Appreciate Nick leading us in those songs, and for Ben and Joseph and Grant, all of us, all of us leading us in our worship this morning. Well, God has made us social beings, hasn't he? We need others in our lives. We need others from a physical perspective. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We need other people in our lives, don't we? We need other people from a physical perspective. And now, I understand that some people enjoy being around people more than others. Some of us are more isolated than others. But we all need someone in our lives. We need other people in our lives. We especially need other people from a spiritual perspective. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, we're told to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need each other in our lives spiritually as well. We need the encouragement that we can get from one another. We need each other. We're social beings. We need each other physically and spiritually. But the fact that we need others doesn't mean that they'll always be there for us in the ways that we need them to be, in the ways that they should. Other people are going to let us down. We see this very clearly in the passage that we studied in our Wednesday night uh, Bible class. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, would you turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we see a very sad point in Paul's life. Paul is at the near the end of his life. He knows that very soon he's going to pay the ultimate price for his faith. And he's facing this reality alone. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left at Carpus at uh, left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever. Amen. What a sad passage. And what makes it even sadder that Paul has to face all of this alone is that Paul had helped so many, no doubt. How many Christians were in the world at that point in time because of the preaching that Paul had done. How many people had Paul helped on those missionary journeys that he took? 
and all of the work that Paul had done, how many Christians had he helped? How many Christians' lives had been touched by Paul? Hundreds? Thousands? More than that? Even at that time? The number had to be huge. Where are they now? Where are they now when Paul has to suffer for what he had done? Where are they? They were gone. He needed help desperately, and there was no help. He was facing this alone. What Paul is enduring isn't fair. It isn't right. Paul deserved better than that at this point in time. And yet, so many people had let him down. What would have likely caused us to give up entirely didn't keep Paul from being faithful. And this isn't to minimize how hard it must have been for him to be faithful. It had to be extremely hard and difficult. And yet he remained faithful in spite of the fact that other people let him down. And I think we can learn some valuable lessons from Paul as he faced those challenges of disappointment from others. I think we can learn what we need to do when others let us down. The first thing I think we learn from Paul's example is that we need to understand that others are going to let us down. We see this very clearly in this passage. You know, we like to think that there are some people that we can count on no matter what. That so-and-so is a rock in my life. Her faith or his faith is so strong and I can always lean on that. They're always going to be there for me. They're always going to be there to help me. They'll always be there for me, but that's not so. Paul's experience teaches us that other people are going to let us down. Other people are not going to be what they need to be, and we need to be prepared for that. In verse 10 of our passage, Paul says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. There are three people that are mentioned here as leaving Paul. We don't know why two of them left. But we know why Demas, or why Demas left. Demas had forsaken Paul because he loved this present world. What does that mean that he loved this present world? We're not sure. Was it because uh, he loved the riches and pleasures and other things of this world and he left Paul for that? Perhaps. Was it just because he didn't want to die with Paul? He loved this present world. He wanted to stay around a little longer, perhaps. But whatever it was, he left Paul in his time of need. He forsook Paul. And what's worse is that this Demas was apparently very close to Paul. He'd been with Paul for a while. When Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians in chapter 4, verse 14, he wrote about Demas being with him. Demas was greeting the Colossians. Demas is a longtime companion of Paul, it appears from this, and yet he's forsaken him. You know, when you get close to someone, you think you can trust them. You think that they'll be there for you. Demas shows us that we can't always take that for granted, can we? People are going to let us down. And that wasn't the only one who had let Paul down. Alexander the coppersmith had let him down in verse 14 of our passage. From 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You must also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our works. Alexander had done him much wrong. It's, this is apparently 
The same Alexander we read about in 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, having faith and good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Alexander was working against Paul. Paul had given his life to spread the gospel. And Alexander was resisting that and apparently encouraging others to do the same. And how hurtful that had to be to Paul. As he's devoted to doing the right thing and helping others learn about God and his will, and there's this man Alexander who's against him, who's working against him. And this wasn't someone who was from the outside. This was another Christian, someone in the church who was working against Paul. And that had to hurt even worse. We like to think that our brethren or other Christians can be trusted and that they can be relied on, and that's not always the case. People are going to let us down. And it goes on. In chapter 4, verse 16 of our passage, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Maybe this is the most difficult thing that Paul had to suffer at the hands of others. That he could not be helped by any when he was on trial. They all forsook him. How hard must it have been for Paul to stand there on trial and there's no one there to be with him. They all forsook him. We think about how hard it must have been for Jesus when he was forsaken. So it must have also been for Paul. Others left him alone. You know, others are going to forsake us. Others are going to forsake us. Others who were once willing to take a strong stand for the truth. Others who knew the truth and still know it today, but don't take a stand for it. And leave us to stand for the truth by ourselves. Others leave us on an island by ourselves when we are committed to doing the right thing. And they join the sea of the folks who are not interested in that. Those are others who give in, who compromise to avoid a conflict rather than standing with us. Paul experienced this kind of difficulty. We're going to experience it as well. Others are going to let us down. Others let Paul down. And the point of this uh, point isn't to make us jaded or encourage us to never trust anyone. That's not the point that we're talking about here. The point is simply this, that other people aren't perfect. Other people are going to have weaknesses, and many times this weakness, these weaknesses are going to keep them from being there when we need them. They're going to let us down. Don't let the fact that other people are going to let you down shake your faith or surprise you. Be aware of it. Paul teaches us to be aware of the fact that others are going to let us down. But in spite of that, we need to learn what else Paul tells us, and that's from verse 9 of our passage, is that is that we need to seek help from our brethren. You know, it's easy to give up on everyone when you've been hurt. It's easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater and assume that if so-and-so let me down, then everybody's going to let me down and I'm just on my own. And there's not going to be anybody that can help. Just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Get into my shell, conclude that nobody can be trusted, and that I'm just uh, all alone and all hope is lost. 
That's sort of how Elijah felt, and this passage was referenced in Romans this morning in our Bible class. Here it is from 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning with verse 14. Elijah felt all alone. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, the, as king over Israel. And Elijah, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, uh, Abel Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah wasn't alone. And we're not alone, even though others may let us down and others may forsake us. We're not alone. There are others and we need them at these times. Instead of retreating, as many will do, we need to draw near to our brethren who are being faithful. And that's what Paul did back in our context. Verse 9, he tells Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. Paul knew that he still needed others. Even though he had been hurt badly, he wasn't too proud to admit that he needed others, and he begged Timothy to come to him. He asked for help. He didn't get cynical. He didn't assume that everyone was going to let him down. He still asked for help. He asked Timothy for his help. We learn from Paul at this difficult point in his life to seek help from our brethren. We also learn from Paul in this passage that we cannot become bitter. Paul teaches us not to become bitter. Others had really done Paul wrong. Really done him wrong. Verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May not be charged against them. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Paul to stand on trial? And all of his brethren desert him and move away from him while he's on trial. And this wasn't just a minor infraction. This was a serious matter, a life or death situation, and he is all by himself. A few years ago, Nikki and I were driving through town on a Saturday night, and the police had someone pulled over. And it was in town, it was a four-lane road, and there was a wide median, and they were way off the road, and I was not paying a lot of attention, and I just stayed in the slow lane and did not move over. Well, you are probably aware of the move-over law that says you have to move over if a police officer has someone stopped on the side of the road. I didn't know about that or didn't pay attention to that. And so as we're driving along, we look up, and there are blue lights in the rearview mirror. And I got a ticket. And I got to looking at this law that I had violated, and the penalty for that law is up to 30 days in prison. And I had to go before the judge. I couldn't get out of this. I had to, I had to go before the judge, potentially facing time in prison. Well, when I went before the judge, Nikki was going to go with me. I needed somebody there. I wasn't going to do that by myself. 
Now, it ended up being no big deal, and I had to pay a little bit of money and go to traffic school one night, but I'm very diligent to move over now. <laughs> Just something as simple as a traffic violation. We would want somebody there with us. Paul is potentially facing a life sentence, the death penalty, and he's there by himself. You think I could make you bitter? You think it could make you have some pretty hard feelings towards the people who had left you high and dry? Not Paul. What did he say? He said, may it not be charged against them. If that had been me, I'd probably say, I'm done with them. Let them get what they deserve. Paul said, no, may it not be charged against them. Bitterness is a big problem. And it's a hard problem to overcome, isn't it? In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul had written this, and he put it into practice here, I believe. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God and Christ forgave you. We need to let all bitterness be put away from us. We have got to get this out of our lives. It's a serious sin. Do we take it as serious as we do other sins of the heart? We've got to be committed to laying it aside, set it down, and walk away from it. We've got to get bitterness out of our heart. And we talk about forgiveness. And we make a point that forgiveness is dependent upon someone else seeking repentance. It's about repenting of that and seeking that forgiveness. If, if Joseph steals my dog or my car and he doesn't repent of that, I can't forgive him of that. But I cannot be bitter towards Joseph while he's working on that. And Paul was not bitter towards these. Apparently they had not repented, but he doesn't have bitterness in his heart. He shows us the same attitude that Jesus had on the cross, you remember, and Stephen had while they were stoning him, not being bitter towards those who are letting us down. And we see further evidence of this lack of bitterness in Paul's heart in his dealings with, with Mark in 2 Timothy chapter 4 of our context, verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. This is the same Mark who had let Paul down, you remember. And he didn't want to go with him any farther. But Paul is gracious to him and willing to give him another chance. He didn't give up. He didn't become sour. He didn't become bitter. We cannot become bitter when others let us down. Furthermore, we learn from Mark, I'm sorry, from Paul here, in his, this account, that we cannot allow others to keep us from our work. When others hurt us, it's easy for us to get discouraged. It's easy for us to think it isn't worth it. It's easy for us to just give up and quit. Others have done me wrong. Others have let me down. Others have hurt me, and I'm just done. Paul didn't get that attitude. He wouldn't let others get in the way of what he needed to do. Didn't allow Paul to be hamstrung or prevented from his work. Notice what he said in verse 17. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be pre preached fully through me. 
and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul was committed to preaching the gospel. Paul knew the work that God wanted him to do, and he was going to do that. He wasn't going to let other people get in the way of that. We need to do the same. You know, when we've been hurt, when we've been let down, sometimes it takes our focus away what, on what's important, on, on what we need to be doing. We have important work that God wants us to be doing. And we need to be like Paul. He had preached the gospel fully. We need to be doing our work fully. We can't let other people get in the way of that. Sure, we've all been hurt. Sure, other people have let us down. We can't use that as an excuse not to be doing what God wants us to do. Others are depending on us to do what we need to do. The Gentiles needed the gospel preached to them, and Paul was going to do that, regardless of how other people had acted and treated him. Others need us to be doing the work that God has given us to do. Your family needs you. Your neighbor needs you. Your brethren need you. The world needs you. You can't let other people get in the way of that. Don't allow others to cause you to stop doing what you need to do. Because if you do, won't you be letting others down yourself? Don't let others keep you from doing your work. And then finally this morning, Paul teaches us that we need to trust in God. Many times people allow others to shake them so much that they'll walk away from God when they're let down and when they're hurt. They'll just give up. They'll walk away from God. I'm afraid that many people have their faith misplaced. Many people, I'm afraid, have placed their faith in men instead of in God. And so when that person lets them down, then they're, they, they don't know what to do. They just give up completely because they had placed their faith in God and in man instead of God. They, they believe in part maybe because of what some loved one believes. And so they'll believe that. Or they believe because someone that they respect said it this way, and that's what they're going to believe. And then if that loved one or that respected one lets them down, then what do we do? Our faith is shaken. My parents believe in God, so that's the reason why I believe. And if my parents were to let me down, or if a preacher that I respect taught it this way, and that preacher lets me down. Or if my friends are committed to Christ, but then they drift away, then, then my faith is gone. The problem with mis misplaced faith is it makes our faith vulnerable. When the person or persons that we hold in high esteem let us down, then we're shaken to the core. But Paul wasn't shaken. Because his faith was in God. Look at verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's faith, Paul's steadfastness was independent of what any man or woman could do. His faith was in God. And brethren, our faith has to be in God. Other people are going to let us down. Other people are going to hurt us. Other people are not going to live the way that they should live. And if our faith is in them instead of in God, we're ruined. We've got to be like Paul and have our faith in God. Paul lived a very difficult period of his life. 
It's on display here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It teaches us that others are going to let us down. That we have to seek help from our brethren at times like that. Not everyone is against us. Not everyone has given in. Seek help from our brethren. Don't be bitter. Don't allow what others have done to keep us from doing our work. And keep our faith in God. God won't let us down. The question for us this morning is, have we let God down? Are we living like we should? Are we living like we should in the face of adversity? Or have we given up? Have we submitted to him in obedience? Have we become a Christian? Have we died with Christ in baptism and been raised to walk in newness of life? If you're here this morning, we can help you spiritually. Will you let us know while we stand and sing?